Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature and for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works to faith in God teaching about ritual washing, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Well, I am excited to get to look at the Word of God again with you today. I brought my big mug. I drink out of this almost every single Sunday, and I tried to have a little one that's less distracting, but not tonight. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to look at Scripture here together. Father God, we are so thankful that we get to be back here again today, and I pray that tonight you would help each one of the boys in here to realize that they are in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle that makes them want to lie, makes them want to cheat, makes them want to do what is wrong, and that they can choose to do what is right, that you've given your Holy Spirit to those who are followers of you to help us to live in a way that pleases you. I pray that just as they desire to go into next levels when they play video games or when they play sports, that you would help them to desire to grow in their maturity as a follower of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever wondered what it is that makes you guys like challenges? Why is it that you get so excited for winning competitions? For instance, who thinks that the green team is going to win this week? Okay. Who thinks the red team is going to win? Who thinks the yellow team's gonna win? Who thinks the blue team's gonna win? Okay, all right, all right. Why is it that we so much love competition? The reality is because we realize that competition makes us better, doesn't it? When you see your score there on number four, you're like, I'm quoting verses tomorrow, right? And so competition makes us better. So, for instance, do you think that LeBron James got to where he is at by playing junior boyers in basketball? No? Any of you ever heard of Ninja? Yeah, right? Any Fortnite fans? Okay. Do you think Ninja got to where he is by playing just junior boyers? No. He played people who were good, and that helped him to get better. And tonight, one of the things that we're talking about is seeing next levels clearly. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ like we talked about last night, that's like starting at level one. And turn to Hebrews chapter five, and look at what it says there. Hebrews chapter five teaches us that we're supposed to go beyond level one. And some of you, I realize it, I, I really appreciate you being honest. Some of you here say, I'm at level zero. I'm not saved, and I know it. And so as I talk tonight, realize that the first place you need to go is to level one and place your faith in Christ for eternal life. And so think through that as we talk about it. But for those of you who are saved, what do you do after you place your faith in Christ? It says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. That's really easy for me to understand. Sometimes I listen to podcasts, and my wife tries to talk to me while I'm listening to podcasts, and I do this number. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And before I know it, I volunteered to clean the entire house. But the reality is, I wasn't actually listening. And he says that you as Christians can actually become dull of hearing. Look at verse 12. He says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. Now, how many of you like tacos? Okay, right? You like tacos. Do you know how much you like tacos when you were six months old? Not very much, right? But you're really glad that you grew up so that you can eat tacos. And what he says is, as you grow up in Christ, you learn to be able to understand more of the Bible. You learn to be able to take in more. But he says, you're still unskilled. Now, I like chapter 6, verse 1. Notice he says, therefore, leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. How many of you want to stay in elementary school all your life? No, right? You want to go on. You want to go on middle school, and you want to go on to high school, and you want to go on to college. And so we want to go on. And the reality is, to do that, we have to be pushed. And I want to submit to you today that difficulties in your life are what push you to grow in Christ. Now, some of you, I heard, there we go, Jason. I heard a little rumor that there was a little bit of a competition about water drinking at your table. Okay, I heard that someone drank 10 glasses of water. You didn't drink 10 pitchers of water, did you? Okay, who drank, did anyone drink more than 10 glasses of water? No, yes, how many did you drink? No, not more. He drank 10 glasses of water, though. Who thinks they can beat that? All right, there's your challenge for tomorrow. Try to drink more than 10 glasses of water. Here's the point I want to give for you guys tonight. Believers should not stay at level one. Believers should not stay at level one. And so to do that, how do you know that you're not going to stay at level one? First of all, you need to know that you're in a fight. You need to know that you're in a fight, that you have someone opposing you. Look at chapter 5, verse 14 of Hebrews. It says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. If there's no such thing as evil, you don't need to train yourself to think about it. And if you have no opponent, you're not going to get better. And so the reality is there's opponent against you guys that is going to challenge you to become more like Christ. For instance, there may be an opponent that tells you your life right now doesn't really matter. That the decisions that you make for God right now doesn't really matter. But just this morning, I was sitting down talking into your counselors, and there was a group of us at a table, and several of them, I think all of us had made a decision at junior boys camp. I made a decision to go into ministry. Someone else had made a decision to go into ministry. And you know, just this week I was reading in my devotions about Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember Nebuchadnezzar? Do you know that when he sent to Israel, do you know who he picked out? He picked out the young guys who were really skilled in knowledge and he brings them back to Babylon. He says, train them in our ways. And Satan would love to conquer your young years. He would love to take you and teach you in the ways of the world. And God says, no, you need to be serious about your life even right now as young people because it, ba- it matters. 
So know that you're in a fight. Secondly, know your opponents. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Know your opponents. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Who's the devil? Satan, all right? So Satan is the devil, okay? So there's one enemy. Satan's one enemy. Now notice what else he says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, you don't just wrestle against each other, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, you guys are wrestling against each other. Blue team against yellow team against red team against green team. But you also, as a Christian, are wrestling against the spiritual forces of evil. But they are not a joke. In fact, they robbed a lot of joy in my life. When I was 15, 16, we moved, and I really liked where we lived. I liked my friends who were there, and I moved to a place that I didn't really care for. And so instead of saying, okay, God, you've got a reason for this, I became very self-focused. And all I cared about was myself. And I let that affect me into my freshman year of college. And so the reality is, I didn't realize it, but I was in a fight, and Satan was like, I want to steal your joy. So I began to look for my joy in other things. And that's when I got completely addicted to video games. And I used to play for so long. I would leave college classes, and I would go and play. And I remember one, one Friday, I got out of class at 12. I skipped lunch to go play video games, and I played video games for 10 hours straight. And I got done, and I had had so much fun, and I was like conqueror of the world, and I got done. And you know how much joy I had? None. None. I felt so good when I was playing it, but then I got done, and I felt empty. It wasn't long after that. Another way that Satan robbed me of my joy is he convinced me that if I could just get people to like me, it would make me happy. And so I texted people all the time. And I remember texting this person, and it was late into the night. It was about 2 o'clock at night. And I felt so empty because of something that they said that at 2 o'clock at night, I went outside in the middle of winter barefoot, and I just had my shorts on, and I didn't have a shirt on, and I just laid in the snow because I felt so sick of myself. I was like, what am I living for? I know that there's more joy than this. And so the reality was I didn't even realize how serious of an opponent I had. And I've had times since then where I will have more joy in my morning quiet time than I ever had playing 10 hours of video games. More joy opening up the word of God and going, whoa, this speaks to me today. This speaks to me while I'm preaching to junior boyers. And it gives more joy. But if you don't realize that you don't have an opponent, you won't take things seriously. So realize that you have an opponent and the opponent, according to Scripture, wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. But then know your weapons or your armor. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. If you've got an opponent, you need to have some weapons to fight him back. And it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts, the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Here are your weapons. First of all, you have the belt of truth. The belt of truth is what holds everything together. And I want to tell you what, if you want to grow in Christ, you have to be in the word of God. You just have to be. It's absolutely essential. This is the truth. You see, I believed the lie that Satan told me that I could get joy if I was just the best in the video game world. I got to the place, and the reality is, the game for me was Black Ops. That's what I got addicted to. Please don't cheer, because it was an addiction. And I got to the place where out of millions of players, I was in the top 2,000 in the world. And guess what? You would think when you get there, I, I had games where I would go and I would play, and there'd be people that would leave the game because they knew how good I was. And that made me feel really good for about two seconds. And the lie that I believed was, if I just get to a certain level, then I'll feel fulfilled. It was false. So I needed to wrestle with the belt of truth. I needed to fight it with the belt of truth. The Bible even says that you are of your father, the devil. He does not stand in the truth because there is how much truth in Satan? None. If, if Satan's talking to you, how much truth is he telling you? Zero. But it says, sanctify them. You can think of it like this. Level them up in your truth. Your word is truth. So you have to take on the belt of truth. Secondly, you need the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness or your chest armor. Righteousness is doing what is right. It's supposed to protect your gut and your heart. And so it looks something like this. And that's what's supposed to protect you. And lies, the lies of sin often make you feel sick inside. But you also need to take on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And what that simply means is that you need to know that you have peace with God. And some of you here know that you don't. You're like, I don't know that I'm saved. And so if, if I die right now, I would go to hell. And so you don't have peace about that because you're like, I know, I know I don't want to go to hell. I know I want to be with God. In fact, one of my friends, and I shared a little bit about him, but one of my friends, he was fighting. He's like, I don't know if I'm saved. He had gone to my church for six years, and he's like, I'm not sure that I'm saved. What do I do? And I told him, pray and ask God to help you understand whether or not you're saved. And he began doing that. And two weeks later, at 22 years old, he realized he had been faking it his whole life. He'd gone to church his whole life. He was going to a Christian college. He'd been faking it his whole life. And so that's where he was wrestling with sin and he had no peace because his footing was lost. Do you know if you lose your footing in battle, you know what happens to you? You're dead. And so that's why I love this. This is kind of what the shoes would have looked like. I wouldn't want to get stepped on by those. But they're meant to secure you. And when you know that you have peace with God, it helps you to fight the battle. Secondly, or fourthly, wow, not even close to second. Shield of faith. You need the shield of faith. Faith means believing. It means believing that God, what he says is true. There are going to be things that come into your life. Maybe your parents will get divorced. Maybe your grandma and grandpa or your mom or your dad will pass away. Maybe you'll have a friend who stabs you in the back. And at that time, you're going to say, I, I don't know that I believe that God is good. If God is good, why would he let this bad stuff happen? If God is good, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? That's why you need the shield of faith to trust in God. You might be tempted to say, video games give me a lot more joy than reading my Bible. That's where we have faith. We believe that what God says is true. 
And that's what a shield would kind of look like. You can protect both yourself and others. But then you also have the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation basically is what you think about. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, whatever things are true, honest, just. You ever heard that verse? Lovely, pure, think on these things. And those things come from the word of God. If you think wrong, you'll live wrong. If you think right, you'll live right. The last one is the sword of the spirit. Do you know how many games you will win if you never play offense? I used to love watching Gaga ball when all the boys would get in there. And you know, there's always someone who kind of just sits in the corner, right? Some of you are that person. You kind of just sit in the corner, let them all knock themselves out. But if you just keep sitting there until it's just you and one other person, guess what happens? You eventually lose, right? There has to be some sort of offense. How many of you guys have played Battleship this week? Has everyone played Battleship? Okay, whenever I would play that game, I'd always chuckle. I'd, I'd laugh because, you know, there was like the boundary line where you're safe. And you're kind of tempted to just run up there and be like, mm, I don't want to go there. And so you take the ball and you launch it. But you won't win Battleship if you don't go on the offensive. And you won't win in spiritual growth in spiritual maturity, if you don't go on the offensive, which is with the sword of the Spirit. In fact, it says in the Bible that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So you need to know those things, but you also need to know how to fight. Know that you're in a fight, know your opponents, know your weapons, and know how to fight. You don't win in Mario Kart, Super Smash, Wii Boxing, or anything like that without fighting. So what are some practical ways that you can learn to fight the lies that are told to you? These are, this is from Word of Life. I've, I've loved teaching their material. And they have five steps for your quiet time. You ready for them? I'm going to put them all up there. Whoa, that's too much. All right. If you want to know the truth, guess what? You have to open it. That's pretty simple. But then mark it up. Mark it up. Underline the things that stick out to you. Put question marks next to the things that don't make sense. And then take your question marks to your, to your Sunday school teacher or to your parents and be like, what does this mean? See how they react. Take them to your counselor and say, what does this mean? I just had a junior boy here ask me, no, not a junior boy, one of the staff guys. I, I don't know where he is. He came up and he asked me, what's all those weird, what's all those weird things on Psalm 119? <laughs> I don't understand them. It's the Hebrew alphabet. And so you can write questions next to him. Ask questions like, what does this mean? What does it teach me? How can I live? How can I honor God? Is the Bible true? What about dinosaurs? Why do people look different? Have you noticed that some people have different colored skin? Why is that? Do you know that the Bible answers that? Do you know that some people speak different languages? Why is that? Do you know that the Bible answers that? And so ask questions of the text and then stop and think about it. Psalm 119, 97 talks about meditating on the word of God. And the idea is letting it go over and over and over again in your mind. When I was so addicted to video games, one of the things that I would do all the time is I would think about playing the video game when I was in class. And you probably do that sometimes. And what he says here is you're supposed to take the word of God and think about it as you live your life. As you go to camp or as you go back tonight, as you live, you need to honor God and then glue it. It says in Psalm 119, 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think about every single verse that you memorize like a weapon for the Holy Spirit to use to fight your sin. And it will help you as you try to advance in next levels. So 
I want you to think about this question, guys. Where are you at with God? You don't need to answer that. But on a scale of zero to 10, zero is, I don't know that I believe in God. I know for sure that I'm not saved. If you're at a zero, let me encourage you to say, I want to get to a one. I want to at least think seriously about this. Maybe you're at a five where you're like, I go to church, but I don't really care that much about it. It's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Then pray, say, God, help me to become a six where I'm more like you. Maybe you're at a seven. Take whatever the next step is. Maybe it's you need to commit to praying every single day. God, teach me something from your word and opening it up. But think about where you're at and then seek to go to the next level. One of the secrets that I haven't told you about yet, and I don't have time to explain all of it, but it's that God, if you're a Christian, lives in you. How, how big is God? Huge, right? He's huge. But it says in Scripture that God is in us, and he helps us to live for him. And so we can claim that, and we can fight against Satan. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for each one of these, each one of the people in here, that we would commit to going to the next level. That we'd realize it takes time. You, you don't level up overnight. And so I pray that if there's those at a zero who say, you know, I still need to walk through the door. I still need to give my life to Christ. I pray that they would talk to their counselor tonight and say, you know, I think I'm ready. I think I understand the seriousness of my sin. And I pray that they would take that first step. God, I pray for those here who, they're just going through the motions. They're a Christian, yeah, but they don't really live for you. They, they love the things of this world more. I pray that they would say, God, help me to love you more. And that they'd begin to open their Bibles and hear from you every day. I pray for those who are on fire for you. God, maybe there are some in here. <laughs> it's awesome to think about, but there are future pastors in here. Future camp speakers in here. Future missionaries in here. I pray that you would call them into the ministry even this week. I pray that there would be a, a people group who have never heard the gospel. And you send them to them. So I pray that right now they wouldn't waste their young lives. But that they'd give them to you. And keep going to the next level. In Jesus name. Amen.